Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey Blackburn, your host, and joining me, our co-host Mel McIsaac. Mel, how are you? Hey, hey, doing well, doing Good. real well. I am. I'm ready for spring, though. I feel like oh. this groundhog kind of lied to us. I'm telling you, did you, wait, I never <laughs> even heard of it? Did, did they like? Did, did he see a shadow or not? You know, I've been gone for like three weeks, so we've been totally out of commission. Oh yeah, in like the oh, yeah. frozen tundra of Kalamazoo, Michigan, where we didn't see the ground for oh, three goodness. solid weeks. And hardly any sunshine. So I have no idea if the groundhog saw his shadow. Did That's he? Pretty, well, apparently he did, and we thought we were going to get spring, but that was a big fat lie because it is still frigid temperatures. As we are doing this, it's snowing outside. I know. We have an ice storm here. Seriously? Yeah, oh my so gosh. cold. <laughs> miserable. I think March might be one of the most miserable months in the Midwest because you just never know. Like you, you never just know. never know. And it just toys with you. That's like it'll the give thing. you a glimmer of hope. Yes. And it's like, no, we're not done here. Here's some more rain and some cold and some snow and some ice. Right. Oh yeah. And it's gonna get into the teens. You know, here you go. Oh, I know it was it was fifty five, sixty. You were out there in short sleeves and you know, the other day doing yard work, but here we go. Boom. Right back to it. Yes. Yeah. Miserable. And it's long, thirty one days in March. It is. So, so long. Well, yeah. that's the that's the downside of living in the Midwest. Lots of upsides. That's but, true. But that's, that's true. the downside. <laughs> when, in fact, so we have an interview today with um, Will and Renee Shepard, and they live in L.A. Oh, that sounds amazing. Ama- sounds amazing year-round, right? Always sounds amazing. Yeah, but you know, I've heard that you pay for the weather. Weather, So like, if it gets just a, like a degree below 76, people throw their hands up in there and they're like, it's just too expensive <laughs> to live here. It's freezing. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. I could never deal with the traffic in LA um, or like you said, the cost of living. It would just never, 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 never. I love to visit there. Could never live there. Do you ever follow, what's his name? Um, it's eluding me right now. The guy who makes the Teslas, isn't he making an underground highway on I-4? Elon Musk. Yes. Yes. I. Uh, that's why I, I I heard that he is. Yeah, so I could I could probably move there when he gets that done. I don't know. Yeah, just travel the underground. Mel, how have yeah. you been? We haven't chatted in a while. You doing okay? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I um, recently uh, went back to the gym. Six to nine months after I have a baby, I try to get back to the gym. And um, I go the first day, and I could not find my little key entry to get into the gym. Oh, that's so miserable. I go up to the lady, and I clearly... You know, I haven't been there in a while. And I was like, oh, I've lost my key entry. Can I get a new one? And she's like, sure, what's your name? And she puts my name in the computer and she looks at me and she's just stone-faced. And she says, it says you haven't been here in 344 days. (laughs) And I was like, that would be accurate. So, no. (laughs) but I'll be back soon. Just tell me, were there people like around you or like waiting in line to get their key to and they overheard this or was this fortunately? There were people walking by and I also had my three kids with me. So we were a real three, (laughs) like three ring circus. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's awesome. At least it wasn't 365 days. Like at least it wasn't a full calendar year that you hadn't met. It was close. I appreciate you you looking on the upside to that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's awesome. Well, we just got back from our three-week retreat, um, ministry retreat. We were fired up to— Yeah, how was that? 
You know, it was really good. It was really good. You know, um, over the past couple of months, we've gone through some major transitions in life and mm-hmm. stepping away from the church and then the church closing down. And so we had a lot of things that we just needed to work through personally. And um, this was, a, I wish that I could recommend to every pastor, every Christian leader, and every missionary to go to this place. Really? Because it was fantastic. And people like, when we've come back, people are like, so how was like your vacation? And I'm like, no, 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 no. This was emotionally exhausting. I mean, like completely draining because you're doing, you're talking about every morning, Monday through Friday, you have lectures and then group therapy session and then one-on-one counseling that's like super intense. And then, you know, journaling and mindfulness and reflection and thinking about all of these like layers of loss and grief and disappointment Mm -hmm. and all of this stuff that's gone on over the past several years of our life. I mean, we were uncovering things, Mel, like that we've been hanging on to for years and years and years. And so Christy and I were doing it together and it was so emotionally exhausting, but spiritually refueling. I mean, it was, it was so good. We feel, we walked out of that experience just feeling um, light and clear. And um, although we're, we're still mourning a lot of losses from our past, Mm -hmm. we're hopeful and anticipating what God's going to do through this. So we're like on day four of full time nothing is wasted okay and it's been it's been really great it's been really great oh that's so great well davy would you mind sharing like what is one thing you're that you really enjoyed or a big takeaway from your time there oh man there um well i'll tell you what i experienced there uh, i'm about to be a little bit like transparent that you know well this is the nothing is wasted podcast so we just we get transparent we on it. this the the thing I experienced there that I don't think I've ever experienced, and I hate to say that I've never experienced this because um, there's probably a lot of reasons, not just you know externally, but internally why I have not experienced this before. But I experienced authentic community with mm. with people over the course of three weeks that I've never experienced before. And part of it's because you're just laying everything bare, right? Like you're yeah. just, hey, here's me you know, like all of the junk and, um, here's the, like, here's all of it. And, and it was really difficult for us, you know, because our story has been such a, um, such a widespread story all over the country. And, and part of our group therapy session, we had to sit in our group and kind of share our, I guess, 15 minute version of our story and why we're, why we're there. And so I shared obviously with the the passing of Amanda and, um, one of the folks in our group was like, I, I prayed for you. Like, mm. I didn't even realize that was you, but I, I prayed for you. And so all of a sudden, oh, that was so, so meaningful. It was so beautiful. But if you think about this, all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, this is supposed to be a safe place where I can like unload all my junk and, and you know who I am, mm. right? And so there was this that fear. So I go to my counselor that day and he goes, I said, I'm a little bit afraid to like really unload everything all that I'm going through because I don't know if this is safe. Like people kind of like know who we are. They've been following our story. And he goes, you need to go and confess that to your group mm-hmm. and confess your fear of that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I did. And the, the response was beautiful. Like the embrace of them going, Hey, listen, we don't like, we don't care what you've been through. Like, we just want to be here to support and we're all broken. We're all busted up. We're all like needing this safe group to just unload our stuff on and walk away from here knowing that it's not going to go beyond these walls and 
Mm-hmm. You know, where this is safe. And so I think That's I incredible. learned among many things, and I, I'm going to probably do a lot of blogging and stuff like that about some of the lessons that I'm taking away from it. But I think what I learned is like the value of safe community. And for whatever reason in the church, we do not make it safe for people. Mm-hmm. And, we, and, it's, and we don't make it safe for leaders either. Oftentimes as a leader, you're trying to like lead the way in authenticity and transparency. And sometimes it feels like things that you, you know, disclosed and authentic, what you think is community can get used against you later. And it's like, whoa, hold on a second. And so I just walked away from that going, hey, what if we could do that in the church? Like, what if we could really be a safe place for people? What if we could really allow people to lay their junk, no matter who they are, lay their junk at our, at, at our feet and we don't like, you know, cast stones at them, but we say, exactly. hey, listen. I mean, that's, you know, that's the gospel to be fully known it. and to be fully loved. That's it. That's exactly right. And everybody's yearning for it. Mm. Everybody's yearning for it. And yet for some reason, we just have such a, tr- such a hard time doing it at the, in the church. Like, I, I don't know what it is. I'm sure there's so much, I'm sure, spiritual attack on that. I mean, the enemy fights against unity. And the last thing Jesus prayed for for us was unity. You know, mm-hmm. so it had to have been really important. Yeah. And yet, like, that's the thing we struggle with the most. So here I am going out on my, my, well, my rant we want to hear here, more. But... So think about it, <laughs> but let's, let's not end this conversation here. Yeah. We want to hear more in the future. Yeah, absolutely. What's been going on with you? What, how's the McIsaac home? You know, we're doing nothing too crazy. We are closing out the year um, school-wise at home. Um, I desperately need to go to the grocery store. It's to the point where, like, you look in the pantry, and then you look in the fridge, and then you look in the freezer, and I I just need to go to the store. That's wow. where we're at in life. <laughs> it's just been a little—it's been a busy season, so. <laughs> hey, um, well, I'll tell you, we did an interview with a gal that um, will be several episodes from now, but Emily Freeman, and she wrote a book and has a podcast called The Next— right thing. So that's it. That's all. That's your next right thing. I know. Your next I, right I, thing. That's what I probably need to do after this show is just go pick up food for my family. Makes it easy. <laughs> Boom. Go pick up food for your family. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> well, this interview today is going to be really special. Um, it's a really good interview and it's special because it is a couple that has been listening to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. So they're part of the Nothing Is Wasted community and they... Um, wrote in and kind of shared their story with us. I love that. That is so, that's so great. Yeah. And I was like, this story is amazing. Like Christy came to me and was like, Davey, we have got to have them on the podcast. The story's awesome. I read it. I'm like, holy cow, this is so, so good. And so it's kind of feels like this really cool full circle thing that honestly, you know, no, no shame about this. I want to like encourage this because I love when people write their stories in. I love when people share their stories with us because I love, and I want this podcast to be a platform where what we would call kind of like our unsung heroes, folks that maybe nobody's ever heard of, but they have tremendous stories of, of faith in the midst of the fire, so to speak. And we can just keep ringing those stories out. That's what this podcast should be about is, is telling the story, the God story over and over and over and over mm. and giving life to other people's stories. So that's okay, what's so Okay, so do you hear that? Nothing me. is wasted, fans. If you have a good story, if God yes. has done something incredible in your life and you want to give Him glory, give us what you got. Right. We're ready for it. That's right. You can just write it in, hello, at nothingiswasted.com. You can write, write that in. By the way, if you, we're, we're having an issue, Mel. We're having an issue with all of our emails okay. going to spam. Oh, the devil, no. man, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you, the devil does not want 
nothing is wasted to, cause he knows that there's going to be a profound impact on the world with, um, with everybody's stories. So if you're like a subscriber to the nothing is wasted website, blog, our updates, you might be getting stuff in spam. You might be like, why are we not seeing any kind of update? We'll go check your spam folder. Or if folder. you're new, if you've just subscribed and you've never received anything from us. <laughs> like, man, it's like radio silence. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> so definitely go and check that. But we would love for you to write in any questions that you may have or um, write in your story. We love that. We're going to be also highlighting some stories on um, on the website and just allowing you to read and comb through some of these great stories that people are writing in. It's going to be really great. So hello at nothingiswasted.com. Yes. Yeah. We want to hear from you. Also, if you haven't checked it out yet, come visit us on Instagram at nothingiswastedministries. We have all kinds of good stuff going on over there. I love yeah. it because on Sundays, we have a Sunday fun day giveaway and you can hop on over and we give away books, just books for just telling your friends and family. And all you have to do is tag your friends and your family and you can most likely, you have such a great chance of getting a free book, plus yeah. all kinds of quotes and um upcoming things about nothing is wasted that you don't want to miss. Yeah. Also speaking of these books. So one of the things we started doing, we put this on my Instagram just the other day is um, we're, we, when we find out about a family who has gone through some kind of a tragedy, um, we like to send them some resources, kind of like a, mm. um, now I won't officially call it a care package yet because my beautiful wife, which you know very well, yes. she is diligently working on putting together an actual care package. Um, I'm not going to tell you what it's called because I don't want anybody stealing the name because she's got this masterful design, this beautiful concept oh, where we're putting together funny. these care packages to send to people when they have walked through some kind of tragedy, anybody that we hear about. And so what you need to know is that if you give to Nothing Is Wasted, to the ministry, um, that's one of the things that your that your gift goes toward mm. is to just bless these families. And oh, so, so we're sweet. so excited. We'll let you know as soon as we get this th- whole thing put together. We'll show it to you. We'll showcase it on, on Instagram. So make sure you go follow Instagram and uh, you can be a part of blessing other families right in the moment of their need. Um, oh, and so, so, well, I am eagerly going to wait because I want to know what's in this. What's in this package? Yeah, we're really excited about it. And if you haven't yet, do us a favor and go and rate and review the podcast. I want to read to you one of the reviews that somebody just recently wrote. It says, um, this podcast has done amazing things to restore my faith in God. This past year has brought me a brought me to a hard season in my life where I am exploring God more. I feel as if this podcast is the icing on the cake during this time where my relationship is growing with God. There is not one episode that I don't walk away with at least five things written in my journal. I'm in love with this podcast. Thank you for doing it. Man, that just like encourages the heck out of us. Yes, that's that's amazing. Maybe I should say encourages the heck into us or the Oh. It gives us encouragement. I don't really know how you how you actually say that, but we are yeah. encouraged. Yes. And out of an overflow of that encouragement, it is causing us to... It's coming in and then overflowing out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, thank you guys so much. Um, Davey, hold the phone. Not only is this podcast... Do you say hold the phone when you're on a podcast or do you say hold the microphone? Whoa. Hold the, you see hold what the microphone. Right hold, hold the, the microphone. microphone. What, Mel? What? Okay. I cannot believe we have not shared this be- yet. But the podcast is no longer going to be bi-weekly. It is going to be weekly. What? This is such great news. That's right. This has been. This is releasing one week after the last release. I'm We're now so going excited. Weekly. I know. This has been something we've been waiting for for a long time, and we're like overflowing with 
podcast interviews and we're like, hey, let's go. Let's do this thing because there's so many great stories. I don't know if we're ready, but (laughs) (laughs) ready or not, here we go. Let's do it. Make it till you make it. (laughs) That's right. That's right. No, no, seriously, like it is awesome because, I mean, even just reading that review, we're reminded so often how much this is impacting people. And Mm -hmm. I love the fact that we can just keep putting this content out and helping more and more people. So, man, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who helps make this possible by giving, helps make this possible by listening and rating it and reviewing it. And you guys are truly, truly helping to um, put this hope into people's headphones. It's really great. We're so thankful for you guys and thankful for what's to come. Yeah, yeah. So let's jump in with Will and Renee Shepard. Will, Renee, great to have you guys on the podcast. It's so good to be chatting with you guys across the country right now. <laughs> good to be here. Thank you so much for having us on. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are um, in LA, is that correct? Man, you're brave. You're really brave. I've visited LA a couple times and I'm like, okay, traffic? No, I can't do this. So I've stuck to the Midwest. <laughs> she, she's been here longer than I have. So. Okay. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's all I, I, I miss traffic when I'm in places that don't have it. I'm yeah. like, this is boring. I got here too quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, tell me a little bit about you guys. Tell me about your family as, as you are right now. Tell me about, um, kind of what, what you do, um, what your life looks like. And, uh, and then I want to jump back into to some of your story. Yeah. Well, um, we, we met here in Los Angeles. Um, and we currently have, um, a multi poo named Lacey. <laughs> She's four years old. Nice. And then we're having uh, a new addition to the family in two or three weeks. Yep. That's so, awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Our, uh, our daughter. Okay. So. I was going to say, do you know it's a boy or a girl yet? Are you? Okay. Yeah, it's a girl. <laughs> That's so great. That's so great. How are you feeling about that, Will? I see a little bit of apprehension in your face. You're like, a girl. <laughs> I don't know what to expect. I'm just, uh, that's great. I, I'll, I'll take it. I'm excited. I'm, I'm very happy about it, but I just don't know what I'm doing at all. So I'm, I'm ready for whatever. So that's so great. That's so great. It is a different feeling as a dad to, um, to think about fathering a girl than it is a boy. I mean, obviously they're different genders, but like there's just something in, from the fatherly perspective where you're like a girl. Whoa. <laughs> I've definitely had those, I've definitely have had those feelings and, um, but I'm excited. Um, you know, definitely two different journeys. I expect, you know, a a boy versus a girl, but, uh, you know, they're both great, great journeys. So I'm excited about this one and I'm just very thankful for the opportunity that God's given us to, to do this, you know, to, uh, steward, you know, uh, a girl and, you know, we just want to raise her to the for the glory and admonition of God. So, um, very excited about that. Um, I do. I, I love CrossFit. That's what I do on my downtime. Yes. Um, and uh, I'm also the marketing director at our uh, church. So that's how I serve in ministry here. Very cool. Um, and in through the local church, and then of course we have our our uh, our ministry outside of church called the Night Shepherd, where we. Um, we go to a sober living home and then the LA County jail. So, wow. um, that's awesome. So yeah, that's, 
that's from my yeah time. we've june well we have been married five years <laughs> and um yeah i go i go to a women's sober home once a month and do a all-female devotion it's not a christian sober home they just let me come and do a bible study we've seen people get saved mm -hmm. people have come to our church and get baptized from it um i just i'm so thankful that i can i mean it's great for these women to get sober yeah but if you're sober and don't know jesus it's it's pointless so yeah. it's, it's really awesome that i get to do that and then out of that i work with sex trafficked victims mm. in the LA county jail they let me come and same thing, I get to do a Bible study to like 300 inmates and just tell them about, I know you're here. I know it seems like your life's over, but it's not. Jesus died for you because so many other religions like Mormonism and, and religions that believe in like works, they go to the jail because they feel like they need to do a good work in order to earn merit into heaven. And so I thought about it and I'm like, why, if they're going, and who knows what they're presenting to these people, and this is all they can hear, because some of them are in jail for life, yeah. um, I can't, a, a Christian should go in and at least give them the truth. Wow. So I've, I've been able to get that opportunity, and I'm just like, this may be the only time they hear about church. They obviously can't come to church. Mm. So the fact that they let me come, and I mean, I'm allowed to say, the truth of like, Hey, like if you do not have Jesus, like that is the only way to get to heaven. And it's been great. A lot of them come up to me after and they're like, I've never heard that. Or it baffles me sometimes. Like they've never even heard John three sixteen. Mm -hmm. So I, I really break it down to like childlike level. And so that's what we do with our ministry. And I mm -hmm. absolutely love it because some people can't go to church and some people don't want to go to church. So yeah. Um, if you can take it to them, that's what I want to do. That's so great. That's so great. Good for you guys. That's amazing. So you guys are involved in a lot of different levels and involved in some ministries where there's a lot of heart, heartache and pain and brokenness. Um, and I know that that has evolved in you guys as a purpose out of some of the pain that you guys have walked through as well. Why don't you kind of take us back and tell us a little bit about um, your story, both individually and then collectively, as you kind of you, you've come together and started to notice some some redemption and finding purpose in that. So I uh, I was raised in church. I was raised in a very godly home. Uh, love my parents. Have still to this day have a great relationship with my, my parents. Um, and moved kind of uh, moved moved across the country a little bit uh, through my teenage years. Um, Landed in the Midwest when I was 14. Um, my dad started a church there where he's still faithfully serving at. Um, he's a pastor there. And um, so when I was 18, I moved back to the South for college. Um, so after going to seminary school, um, I kind of, I got, I lost my way there towards the end of that um, segment. And I, started looking into like the modeling industry, the fashion industry. And, um, I had developed some relationships, um, outside of my school there and, and throughout, throughout my workplace, I de definitely started embracing some wrong kind of relationships there. And, uh, which got me sidetracked, distracted from really my purpose that I was, 
I was headed towards and, um, which was serving in ministry, yeah. obviously. Um, so towards the end of that, I, um, I left the school there and I, um, got connected with the modeling agency in Atlanta. And then, uh, shortly after that, um, after some arrangements were made, I went down to Miami and worked down there for a little while. And then, uh, in 2008, um, after another little bit of traveling, uh, went to New York city and it was pretty much there in New York city to, uh, from 2008 to 2011. And, um, really throughout that time there, York, I saw and, and experienced some crazy, crazy things there in the, the modeling industry and just kept embracing wrong relationship after wrong relationship and slowly but surely, you know, led myself down a very steep and, and dark path. Mm. Um, I, uh, you know, did things that I just never dreamed that I would do or, or get into, um, and eventually it led me to my last, I guess my last and final straw after many nights of like, Oh, what am I doing? And just slowly breaking down from, you know, of course it was fun for a while and definitely had some tremendous highs, mm -hmm. but there towards the end of that, you know, the Bible, like the Bible says, there's pleasure in sin for a season. Mm -hmm. So I began to slowly kind of break down there towards the end and find myself in some pretty dark and lonely places. Um, and after many nights of like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, I need to, should I leave? Should I go home? Like, but I've invested in myself so much, like I can't quit now, right? Because I'm chasing the dream. I'm, ch I'm chasing, you know, well, you know, by the time I'm 30, I want to be famous. I want to be rich. I want to be successful. And I want to do and I want to I want to be a part of everything that I'm pursuing mm. now so like I can't quit like I at, at that point like I I was saying to myself like I had become like too invested basically to, mm. to and why would I put myself through all of this you know to just leave now so that just really kept me hanging on and 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 kept me going down the path and making those decisions, you know, one right after the other, even though I knew they were wrong, even though I knew that like they were, it was really killing me inside. Mm. You know, I, I kept making those decisions because I didn't want to quit, you know? Yeah. Um, so my last and final straw was, um, like I went to this party in the middle of Manhattan, uh, with this fashion designer who I was supposed to represent in New York fashion week that, that year. Um, and we went up to like one of the top penthouses, right? And there was this party, like, I'll never forget. I met the, I met the guy that wrote living on a prayer. Uh, <laughs> there's like all these people there that I like, I just was like, it was just amazing. Right. It was like the perfect like scenario, you know, mm -hmm. like it was just, it was an amazing like high that mm -hmm. like anybody would want to be in that situation. Right. But like inside it was like dying mm -hmm. and it was like coming out and in my in my words and and you know my expressions and in my conversation and i went downstairs and i remember the guy that i went there with he followed me downstairs and he, he looked me in the face and he said will you'll never amount to anything you'll never do anything you'll never touch anything that's successful and like that was like my breaking point so i basically went to went back to my apartment 
And I called my parents like crying. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've got I've to come home. I, I can't be here anymore. And for me to do this, this was like something because I had always put up the best front in front of my parents, you know, and mm-hmm. I always wanted them to be proud of me and always wanted them to see the best side of me and never wanted them to see those things that I was doing. It was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause I just didn't want to ever disappoint them. Um, but I called them, was crying and like the next day, um, some, one of my friends had helped me purchase, I had no money. One of my friends helped me purchase a ticket uh, back to the Midwest. So I literally packed up all my boxes that night. Um, and I was on a plane the next, the next morning. Um, so, um, anyway, so I, I stayed pretty much a summer in the Midwest with my parents before moving out to LA. And at the time when I moved, I didn't know that I would actually go on to Los Angeles. I didn't really know what my next step was. Um, I got back home to my parents and broke down. I told them everything that happened to me in the last four years. Um, and I really thought that like they would disown me. I didn't, I didn't know really what their reaction would be. Um, I remember just knowing in my head that things would be different. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's amazing. I was talking to a group just recently, um, after, after that night, you know, I never noticed my parents treating me any differently, uh, looking at me any differently. They always, they just forgave me and loved me. Mm. Um, so that was just a really beautiful sign of redemption right there. You know, yeah. um, no matter, no matter what you do, you, you go, you go calling back to your heavenly father, you know, he'll right. always, he'll always love you. Um, so anyway, um, that wasn't really my turning point right then. I was, I was just, I was kind of comfortable there. I, I, I was like, you know what? I'm done with New York. I'm going to go to LA. Things in LA will be better. Mm. I'm going to actually be able to get back on my feet in Los Angeles and I'll be able to really make it, um, in my industry there. So that fall, I, I moved to Los Angeles and pretty much moved right in with Renee when I got to LA. Um, and we began dating and I would say three to four months after I moved here to Los Angeles, I pretty much found myself back in the same boat. Mm. Um, I was in New York, so nothing really changed. It only got worse. Um, and you know, I'm just so thankful for Renee because, um, she just showed me love and compassion through that entire time. Mm. And really, I think really just kept me uh, alive, honestly, during obviously God obviously had a plan for my life, but, um, I really feel like Renee had a big role in keeping me, keeping me safe, um, and secure during that time. So, um, I found a church, um, and kind of pretty much got right back in church. I would say five to six months after I moved to LA, uh, when I really reached that breaking point. Um, and, I told Renee, I said, if you want to continue dating me, we're going to have to, we're going to go to church together because this is what's, this is what's important. This is what I've got to get back to, you know, this, I've got to get back to this relationship with God. Yeah. And, uh, cause that's the only thing that's God is my only answer at this point in my life. And so she 
she started coming with me and then I'll let, I'll let her kind of tell her story at that from there. But, um, she ended up getting saved and, uh, wow. uh we got married in 2014 and God has just been slowly, but surely working on both our lives since then, wow. you know, um, and it wasn't until recently, uh, that I truly decided that I would just give my life to Christ a hundred percent and, and become an actual Jesus follower, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I believe, I believe it's, it's one thing to be, uh, to, to live for Christ because it's a good cause. You know, I, I believe there's a lot of people keeping a seat warm in our churches because they believe it's a good thing to do, mm-hmm. but actually become radical and become a Jesus follower and decide, you know, I want this relationship in my life. I want to be, I want to follow Jesus because I want to know him. He knows me but I want to like know him, you know, yeah. and I want to be molded to that image, which we cannot obtain in and of ourselves. Um, I feel like that's something totally different. And I really think that's what becoming a follower of Jesus means mm. is when, is when you have that mindset, you know, about it. That's what it means to me. Right. You know? Right. Um, so yeah, so, um, I'm so blessed now to, to be able to do these different ministries. And I started, uh, I'm a content creator for brands. Uh, mm-hmm. God allowed me to start my own business and, and work for myself. So I'm able to um, put my time and my talents into, into ministry uh, that I'm passionate about and to be able to serve in our local church. And um, yeah, I, uh, I just have a heart for, a lot of the artists that are out here in Los Angeles, yeah. uh, I know exactly, I know exactly what they're going through. And I know so many young girls and so many young guys are just selling their souls out, you know, yeah. every day for fame and fortune that most likely, most likely will never come. And if it comes and be so unhappy at the end of that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I'm always looking for ways to, to inspire and try to build relationships with, with artists in LA, because, um, I just want to be that, that friend, you know, that I, I never had, yeah. you know, when I was, you know, when I was in New York. So, um, and really that was the heartbeat behind our ministry, the night shepherd that we started, mm-hmm. um, in, um, you know, it was to, to reach out to artists and, and be, um, be there. It's developed into way more than that now, um, now that we're several years into it. So I'm so thankful for how God has grown that, grown that ministry there. Yeah. That's so cool. I really thought it was great. One question I have, but, and then I want to, Renee, I want to kind of talk about your story because what I believe about marriage is that, um, in a God honoring marriage, God brings you guys together in a way that, um, complements each other and kind of becomes the, the pieces of redemption, that fit together really well for each other. And so I'm no doubt we're going to hear that in some of this, the story as you start to talk about your story. Um, I just, I don't even know your story, but I just had this, I just know I've seen too many, I've seen so many Christy and I story and so many couples who they're like, well, here's my story and here's my story. And then you watch God, how he's woven those two things together to help each other become the, the, the best image bearer of Christ that you can. And so I'm excited about hearing kind of your side of things, Renee, but Will, I'm curious as you're looking back over kind of this pursuit that you had in life, um, of, 
fame and fortune and breaking it into the modeling industry. And as you were running and chasing after those things and you found yourself, I mean, I kind of see it as kind of like a prodigal son type experience in a lot of ways. What, what did you feel like, what were the messages or the, thing, the things that God was teaching you through that process? As you look back over it, you're like, man, like I wish I would have told, you know, 14 year old Will this, um, I wish I could go back and tell him that, like, these are the things that God was really using that experience to shape me in some lessons, hard lessons that I learned about the character and nature of God. Um, things I learned about myself, kind of the ugly, dark parts about myself that need to be transformed into, um, more the, you know, uh, the character and nature of who Christ is. What are some of those lessons that you feel like you learned over that? Never say that you'll never do something. Mm. <laughs> You know, um, I grew up learning what to do and what not to do. Mm. Like I, I grew up learning all the rules, right? Yeah. Um, all the rules of religion and what religion says do, but what I, and I, and this is no fault to my parents or fault to my pastors or anything like that. It's really, it's really on me. I take full ownership of it is, is, is really knowing why behind that. Mm. What is Christ's um, reasoning behind, you know, well, why don't we go, why don't we go out and party? You know, why don't we, you know, sleep with our neighbors, neighbors' wives? Like, why don't we, you know, go and do, why don't we steal? You know, like, why, like, why don't we do those things? Yeah. You know? Um, so I feel like that, there's anything like I could go back in time and, and tell myself would be really understand your position in Christ, mm. you know, and really understand, um, why you don't do these things. Um, and understand that, understand your purpose and really just get a full, a, a full encounter with Jesus. Yeah. Um, and really know who he is um, and what he wants you to be. Um, yeah. I guess one thing. Um, another thing is no matter – and on the flip side to all that um, is when you are in that low spot, you know, I, I know that, like, God is always there. Mm. You know, like, um, if God is pursuing you, like he's going to come to you. He's going to come to you when you're just in the lowest, lowest spot. I really identified with the psalmist, you know, when he said he lived me out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Yeah. He had to like go down to where he was, you know. And yeah. I had several times and several experiences where, you know, I felt God calling me, you know, even like in those darkest times, like, you know, sitting in a room, you know, on the floor by myself, like I knew like God was there and he was calling and all I had to do was, is, you know, open myself up and, you know, reach out to him. Wow. You know, so, um, so and I was in some pretty low spots. You yeah. Know, it's calm, you know, thinking about, you know, suicide and, you know, what, why am I even living right now? You know, yeah. all these thoughts, you know, just like, any thought I've had, you know? Um, so it's like, I just would have to say, you know, to, to everyone that's, that is in a low spot, you know, God is there. And, mm. you know, we, we lost someone that we were uh, an acquaintance recently, um, someone that would, had been 
very, very successful mm. in the uh, fitness modeling industry. I mean, I mean, you would probably even know who he was. Um, uh, passed away in a tent mm. out here to LA just because he got mixed up into drugs and and just pretty much lost his mind and was homeless, sleeping on the streets and and they found him one morning. So oh. this guy that like had it all, you oh. know, like healthy, fit, you know, you know, uh, embraced every cover, you know, mm. out there, just living on the streets of LA, you know. Wow. So, um, I know that people can get pretty into person, pretty low, low places. So yeah. another thing is just like, you know, God's always there. Yeah. God, no matter where you get to, God is there. That's so good. And it's never too late. You know, like what you're saying, you're, you're in the deepest, darkest moments of your life and mm-hmm. you felt the drawing of the Holy Spirit. I think it's so easy for some people to say, yeah, but it's, it's too late. I'm too far gone. I'm like too deep into this pit. And you would, you know, you would testify to the fact, no, it's not. <laughs> like when he's calling out, reach out now, you know. Another thing, um, just to kind of put the cherry on all that is like, I believe, and I just from personal experience, it's like we, we, we go out in this world and we search for things. Yeah. Uh, we search for things that's going to make us better. Okay, we search for things that we think that we need for God to use us. We need for God to love us. We need for God to accept us. Mm. Right? Yep. But all along, God is wanting to walk through the hallways and chambers of our heart and knock on those doors. And he wants us to open those doors that we refuse to open. Because we know behind that door lies our faults, lies our insecurities, lies our our things that bother us the most. And we don't want to give those up. We don't want to surrender those. And they're behind these doors. Um, so what I've learned is that those things that are behind those doors, God wants in there. And he because he can turn those things and he can use those things for his honor and his glory yeah. without those without us opening those doors, God doesn't have our entire selves and he wants all of us. God wants all of us. And we just have to open those doors. And it's not, it's not about us going and finding these things for God to accept us. God accepts us. He just wants us all. He wants all of us. So, um, so I've learned, you know, Hey, it's not about, it's not about keeping those doors shut and shut off to God, because as long as we do that, he can't really use us. And I think that's what the, one of the things, you know, that led me down the, the path that I went down was just not willing to surrender mm. all doors, you know, yep. to God. Um, because I, I thought that I needed to go out and, and achieve these things to really be used. Right. Of him. And it was just a lie of Satan. Yeah. That reminds me so much of what Jesus said. You know, he said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Right. Right. If you right. hear my voice, open the door, let me in, and I'll come right. in and I'll eat with you. I'll dine with you is what he says, which the the symbol in the Bible of the table of sitting down and dining together is a symbol of reconciliation. It's a symbol of our relationship is restored. And that means that Jesus, no matter like everything's laid out on the table, all of our everything that we're ashamed of, that we're regretful of, our our past hurts and pain and poor decisions. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to sit down and dine with you. 
I, I accept you for you because I created you. I love you. I want relationship with you. And we can reconcile these things and we can make them right and make them new. Um, such a great metaphor, man. I love that hallway and the doors and Jesus knocking. That's so great. I love that. Uh, Renee, why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit, kind of go back and give us kind of your side of the story and let's see how it, how it converges with Will's. Okay. Well, we'll start with, it is completely opposite. <laughs> it is nothing like Will's. <laughs> but that's that's usually know. what God does, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, we will get to that, but I, I, like Will said, I didn't get saved till I was 26. So no. I did not grow up the same way as Will. I grew up in a broken home. And I was the youngest and I grew up in Kentucky, which is very middle America. Everyone kind of looks the same. And, and I was adopted as a child um, and I'm, I'm of Middle Eastern descent. So I think I'm like one of three Middle Eastern people in the whole state. Wow. And I think the other two people are the people who put me up for adoption. <laughs> like, literally, I was just so different and I look so different. And, um, so I I think a lot of that growing up just had to do with, I didn't really feel secure in who I was because Mm. I just always felt like I wasn't beautiful. And so anyway, so I moved to Los Angeles when I was 21. I moved here by myself. I loaded up the car. And I just told my parents, I said, I'm going, I, I want to go out there. There's diversity out there. Maybe mm. I'll find people that look like me. <laughs> yep. Um, I just, I got to get out of this town and city where everyone just looks the same and right. everything's so cookie cutter. So, but I moved out to LA in 2007. Cause I said, I'm going same thing as well. I'm going to become famous and all of these things. So one thing about me, which is kind of, um, you told us to be transparent. So I'll be pretty transparent. Um, I never look like anyone, but I always was, I always was very in shape. I've always had just a very, I guess, fit body. So I use that when I came out here of, you know what? I don't really like how I look. I don't really like my like dark features about myself, but if there's anything I do have, it's the, it's the fact that I'm secure in my, in my body. So Mm -hmm. I'll just use that. So around this time, I always had dreams. I thought the best dream in the world is to be one of the um, 12 most beautiful women in the world, Mm. which is to become a playmate. Um, (laughs) I mean, this is a Christian podcast, but I'm going to be real. You just be real and raw. Let's go. (laughs) This is also a podcast about redemption. So (laughs) So I thought, you know, the 12, to be one of the most beautiful women in the world, you're a playmate because they really are beautiful. They're perfect. All of those things. So I moved out here in the summer of 2007 and back then you could go test shoot down in Santa Monica on Thursdays. So I used to go every Thursday and I would test shoot and shoot for the mag, like shoot in hopes that the magazine would pick me up. Yeah. And as a result, when I would go down there, they said, Hey, you know, you should come to one of the parties. 
And I'm, I mean, I'm 21 years old. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, I would love to go to the Playboy Mansion. Like, who would not want to go there? So I submitted um, for uh, for Halloween. So back then, this was back in the day, you had to send in a picture of yourself and you had to write a paragraph uh, of why you should be invited to the mansion. Yeah. Because girls were picked to go to the mansion. The only men that were allowed at the mansion were celebrities and they had to be invited by Hugh Hefner himself. Mm -hmm. So they had about 50 girls who like lottery could be drawn. Right. But it was based off of your picture and it was based off of like your story. Mm -hmm. So I did this whole story of I'm from Kentucky and I just moved here and it's my dream to go to the Playboy Mansion and please make my dream come true. (laughs) And um, Seth that my daughter better never (laughs) I was going to say, Will, now you know even more the weight of a daughter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. If, if I see that letter written, I'm going to tear it up. Um, well, I don't think people can go. I know. Will, all the time. He's like, Renee, the Playboy Mansion's a retirement home now. She's not going to want to go. Uh, <laughs> like, there's plenty go. of different There's different. Yeah, things. right. <laughs> this, right. Was, this was years ago. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so I didn't hear anything about Halloween. But I got an invite to New Year's Eve. Mm. Now, Davey and Christy, this is like, this is it. New Year's Eve, even less people get picked. Wow. I mean, it's it's like 15 of the most beautiful people get to go to New Year's Eve because New Year's Eve is very, um, it's very quaint and, and it's, it's the smallest party that he has. Yeah. So I got invited to New Year's Eve and I went and I was so excited and Playboy dress code is like lingerie or less. So mm-hmm. I went in my pajamas and, um, and I, it was, it was amazing. Like there was all of this food and I mean, every, there was like a sushi bar and lobster and like anything that you could ever dream. Mm. It was that times a million and everything that people wonder about, it was that times a million. Mm. Everything that you think happens there happens there. But I didn't care. I just I would I they have a zoo. They're the only house with a zoo license in LA. So I went and like fed the monkeys grapes and um wow. I I like went and like tried to find a water bottle with like the Playboy logo on it. Like I was just like so <laughs> excited. But the thing is is that you can only go by yourself. You can't bring a friend unless that friend's picture has been approved. Mm. So I went by myself and I just decided that I would make friends there. So I was at the food table and I was like me and one other girl, the only ones like pigging out on the food. Um, and she came up to me and she's like, Hey, I want to go meet some of these actors. They're, they're sitting right there. I want to go meet them. I knew who they were, but I had no interest in meeting them. I was like, are you kidding me? Like I haven't, I like, I have ramen at my house. Like I'm going to eat as much of this as possible. I have my little clutch bag. I'm going to see what I can fit in here to take home to eat for breakfast. <laughs> like, I'm like, I want to meet them. Like, this is the best I've eaten like my whole life. <laughs> oh. Um, so after I would say about an hour or so, she was still over there. So I was like, well, this is the only friend I have here. So I'm just going to go see what she's doing. And I walk up, and as I'm walking up, the guy who was the actor 
he had so he had an iPhone, Davey. And in 2007, if you had an iPhone, you were a celebrity. Right, right. So, so he had like an iPhone, yeah. and I was like, oh my goodness, this is ridiculous. Like, I've never been around this much wealth. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So he's passing his iPhone around, and everyone's putting their phone number in it. All these girls are putting their phone number in it. And then he looks at me, and he's like, hey, you're new. He's like, you should put your phone number in here. And I'm like, no. I, I was I, – for – 2.5 seconds, I was like, I have self-respect. I'm not doing that. Right. Like, no, you have to work to get to know me. And I say 2.5 seconds because like a minute later I did it. Mm. I was like, here you go. Here's my number. Sure, you're not going to call me. And this was before social media. So this was before any of that. Mm -hmm. So the next day I got a phone call and it was from the actor. And he left me a voicemail because it, it was a – um, local number, but I didn't know who it was. And so I let it go to voicemail and he's like, Hey, I'm leaving to go to London to film um, a movie, but I really want to see you. And I'm like, okay, me and all of my friends from last night, like whatever. So I had gotten some of the phone numbers of the other girls cause we had planned on keeping in touch. So I texted them and I was like, Hey, I'm like, let me guess, he texted you or he called you because I just got a voicemail. And they all were like, no, no, he hasn't called me yet. Or no, I've, mm. I've not heard from him. Like, what's his number? Like, how did you, how did he contact you? So at that point I was like, well, maybe he likes me. Like maybe he actually thought I was cute or whatever. So I contacted him. I called him back and I said, yeah, I know you're about to go out of town, but I'd love to see you like in two weeks when you're back. So he came back in two weeks, which was like January 15th, right? And um, February 14th uh, was when we signed a lease on a house mm. together to move in. To get. So I, I really officially first hung out with him January 14th. And then he was back and forth traveling, but within a month, uh, I signed a lease on a house in the Valley and we got on a lease together and we moved in together. Don't know this person. Wow. Don't really care. I'm like 22. Like I'm just living like the best life in the whole world. And we got a house together and, um, he, he did like to drink. I'm not saying anything that's not already known in the public. Mm -hmm. Um, but he, he did like to drink a lot. And I, I will say I did like to like part go to parties, but I wasn't a drinker. I wasn't into drugs. I wasn't really into alcohol. I just like to be rambunctious and silly. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, you know, I know he likes to drink, but I think the fact that I don't drink will be a good influence on him. That's going to make him stop drinking. Mm -hmm. And that is a lie that I've noticed in working in sobriety with people that you can't do. If people mm. are going to stop, if you're in a relationship with someone who does abuse substances, as much as you want to think you not doing it will help until they make that choice. It doesn't, it does, it'll help temporarily because they're doing it for you, but you have to really do it for yourself. Yeah. So, um, it was, so he would, he would just go get like blackout drunk and end up in the hospital. And our home life was a complete disaster. And I'm young. Um, I'm 22 at this point. He's wow. 40 years wow. old. 
Um, don't do that. If you're listening and you're 22, like don't do that. I mean, I know age is just a number, but there is a big mental difference between a 40 year old and a 22 year old. Mm. And, um, so, but I take responsibility for, you know, I, I was not making good choices. Mm -hmm. However, I also had the mind of a 22 year old. Mm. So, um, by Easter, he had cheated on me multiple times, um, had multiple stents in the hospital of overdosing and all of these things. And, um, and when he would cheat on me, I would just think to myself, well, he, he was going out of town a lot and I wasn't allowed to go. He would use like mind manipulation on me. And as a result, I thought the only way to fix it was to once again, use my body. And, um, I thought, well, if he's on the road and he has a home adult video of us, maybe he won't want to cheat on me because mm. he can just watch that. So I came up with this really stupid idea to make that. And I was like, well, we'll just, we'll make that and he can keep it. He can have it. And, um, and, and back then in 2007, 2008, those were very popular, mm -hmm. um, having those home tapes. So we made that in, in April. And then by June, we had broken up. Now remember we moved in in February. So this all happened very fast. So, um, it was June 20th that we broke up. That date is very, very um, significant, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, so June 20th, we broke up, and the tape was released to the media. Um, it's still – well, the tape is not out in adult stores. We did um, get it to where we, – we, we didn't sign off on the rights or anything like that, yeah. but it was released to the media – my name was smeared to this day. Mm. I still get people commenting on the fact that I made this sex tape and yeah. all of these things. And it's still attached to my name, which for a long time I really hid from. Mm. But now I'm just realizing, you know, I did make a mistake, but God is able to use it. I was young. I own up to the fact that I made it, but, um, God can definitely use that. So yeah. the tape was released. My life was smeared upside down. Mm. I mean, I had to move out. I had to get a lawyer. Um, we ended up suing each other. He sued me um, for so many things that just were not true. I ended up getting a settlement out of it because the judge realized that a lot of it was for publicity. Mm. And my life was just like in crumbles. Um, and I, I never spoke to him since. And then fast forward to 2011 and I met Will. And once again, like Will told you, he moved in with me right away because my security was in, I didn't really feel there's so many beautiful people out here. I'm telling you. Yeah. You go and you see someone and you're like, wow, she's so beautiful. And then you go two blocks and you're like, oh my goodness, there's someone way more stunning two blocks. Like, how is that possible? Mm -hmm. So there's just this constant 
image of wanting to keep up with. And I just thought with Will, like he's not going to want anything to do with me. But if I let him live with me and I just let him sleep with me or whatever, maybe he'll eventually like me for me, but we'll just start there. I feel like that's a good starting point. Mm. And so I just had this pattern of, um, and I knew I'm like, once he finds out that I'm the girl from the tape and all of these things, he's not going to want anything to do with me. It was very shaming. It was very shameful. It was very embarrassing. Um, my mom found out about it on the news me oh, wow. and, and said, if your dad finds out on the news, this is not going to be good. So I suggest that you, um, call him because I was eating dinner in the six o'clock news. The story um, cut off the news to like break this announcement. My dad called me and said, why in the world would you make a sex tape with this famous person? Like that was the stupidest thing you could have ever done. Um, And he's right. Like, yeah, that was very stupid. And I'm sure people listening are thinking, yeah, why would you do that? But at the time, I was trying to keep my boyfriend who I loved and cared about to not cheat on me. And I just, and I knew he had issues with sexual things. So I was like, well, instead of looking at other women or being with other women, look at us. Mm -hmm. And that was my logic. And, and I, that was just what I thought at the time was the right decision. And of course I was lost. So Mm -hmm. I didn't know right from wrong and the world is very sex centered. Yeah. So in the world's eyes, that wasn't really wrong. So anyway, um, so the tape comes out and then I meet Will in 2011 and he starts taking me to church and I'm like, yeah, I probably should go to church. And I went to church with him for about six or seven months because I went Super Bowl Sunday was my first Sunday, and then I got saved June 24th, um, 2012. And Will approached me, and he said, so I want to keep dating you. He's like, I obviously don't know if we're going to get married. Um, I'm still trying to get my life on track. He goes, but I'm going to move out, and we're not going to have sex anymore. Mm. And I was like, no way, man. Like, you can't do those things because – we might as well just break up because mm. you're not going to stick around. Like, like why would, like, why would you do that to yourself? Like, why would you abstain from set? Like, why? Like, that's stupid. We've mm. already done it, whatever. And he continued to call me and date me. And we abstained for probably two years because it was a year of us dating. And then we were engaged for a year. Mm. And he was so faithful. And then he still proposed to me. That was so foreign to me in my mm. mind of like, what? Like, you, you still want to propose to me and marry me? Like, why? Like, I know what you're go- I know what you're going without. Like, why? And he never cheated on me. He has called me every single day since the day I met him. He's answered every phone call, everything. And I remember it was the time to tell him about the tape. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. He either knows and is just not saying anything or I need to bring it up because guys used to, I used to go on dates, Davey, and they would like crucify me. They would say, so what are you going to tell me? So you you just weren't going to tell me about 
your sex tape that is on the internet. And it's just like, why do I have to? Wow. The thing is, is like so many people have secrets about themselves. Yeah. Unfortunately for me, mine is public. Yeah. So I don't get that chance to tell you stuff about me. You already know it about me, whether I, whether I want to tell you or not. Mm. And I mean, I'm sure you can maybe Davey relate to that a little bit with your like I thing of it's Mm -hmm. like, you don't really get a choice to tell people about your tragedy because they already know. Right. So with Will, I told him and he looked at me and he's like, yeah, I know. He's like, I already knew that before I even met you. Wow. He's like, I don't care. He's like, it's not that big of a deal. Um, he said, you're young. You really need to forgive yourself on it. Wow. Um, it's fine. So let's fast forward. Cause I want to tell you a few significant things. Can you, um, can you pause for a second, Renee? I want to stop right there. When, when Will said that to you, mm-hmm. tell me how that made you feel. Um, well, at first I thought he was lying. I was like, Hmm, uh, <laughs> I, like, is, is this real? I, I'd never known anything like that. And it made me feel as if I really was seeing who Jesus was. Wow. Will is not Jesus at right. all. He's a human. He's not anything like that, but he really showed me Jesus's unconditional love of, and he's never brought it up. He's never. And the fact that he like stayed faithful mm. and, and didn't have to sleep with me. I mean, that is just such a foreign concept Yeah, because sex is such a big thing in a relation. I mean, so many people, you want to try it before you get married. Cause what if you get married and you're not compatible mm. and then now you're married and you're stuck. But that is such a, worldly and lie of Mm -hmm. Satan think that way, but I had to train my mind to not think that way Yeah, because that's all I knew. And so it was that, well, that's when I knew that I wanted to marry him. And that's when I knew that was the person that I needed to marry. And then to go in before you get married and and I did the right thing. I, I, I got checked for STDs and, um, I'm just being transparent with you. I, I did do that because I wanted to honor him. I didn't want him to have to deal with scars mm. that I brought upon myself. And I remember we were in the doctor's office. We're waiting for the results. And he's like, whatever it is, we're still getting married. Like, I, I, I really don't, I really don't care. Wow. And by the grace of God, he protected my body and everything came up negative And I do not have anything of that nature. But, um, when he, when he said that to me in the doctor's office, I was like, okay, this is someone who genuinely loves me. It's not a worldly love of, I think you're good looking. I think you're good looking. Let's get married. Yeah. Wow. That, what, I mean, so you, you made the distinction. You said, okay, Will's not Jesus. Right. But what he was for you in that moment and what he has continued to be is basically a, a, Jesus with flesh on, you know, a picture of Jesus for you. You had some, as we all do, right? We all do before we come to know Christ. And even after we come to know Christ, we all have some gaps in our understanding of the character and nature of God and who Jesus is. We don't fully see, the Bible says that we see dimly, 
what we will one day see fully, right? So we don't, we haven't seen every aspect and every facet of who Jesus is, which is part of the journey that we're on is that he's continually exposing to us new facets of who he is. And he, we would love for that to happen in the Bible. Like, well, let me just read the Bible and like learn these truths and know all about who God is, right? Let me just, what, what about prayer? Like, would you just download who you are? in prayer to me, you know, like, but he doesn't, what he does is he uses people in our lives. And most importantly, he uses this marriage relationship. This is the, the picture that he has chosen, the symbol he has chosen to um, give us in this world to show us a fuller picture of who God is and the covenantal relationship there. And um, uh, it's, it's very interesting that you mentioned this, Renee, and I, I'm, I relate to this because as Christy and I have sat down and had conversations, even with like counselors that we've had, and she has, I hope she's okay with me sharing this, but she has expressed a very similar, um, you know, we had a similar conversation. Um, and as we kind of share her story, we'll share more about this conversation. We had a similar conversation where she kind of t- exposed to me a lot of some of the decisions that she made in her past that she wasn't proud of. And, and I just looked at her and said, I know that should affect the way I feel about you, but it doesn't. And she'll, she told me later that that showed me a truer picture of who Jesus is. And then she was mad about it because she was like, wait, why does it have to be a man (laughs) that does that for me? You know, that shows me that she was like upset about that. And, and it was so powerful. Our, one of our counselors looked at her and said, well, it, it was, it was men who stole that from you. And so of course it's going to be a man that God uses to bring that and restore that back to you. But he said, but, but it's not necessarily going to be the man in the sense that you're thinking, because this man right here is going to disappoint you. And he gave you a picture of the man that is going to restore that image back into you. And I was like, what, you know, like, wow, mind blown. Like what an amazing thing that God does in our relationships. I just wanted to pause in that moment of your story because that is like a heaven open up moment for you guys where God just kind of breathes into that moment and goes, let me, I don't care, David, what you did, right? Like you're still a man after my own heart. Like now I care what you did and there's going to be consequence. There's going to be pain. I don't want you as my child to go through that. I don't want you to bear that pain. I don't want you to have that. But, but I'm gonna tell you right now, I, I forgive you for that. And you can forgive yourself for it. What an unbelievable picture of grace. And Will, I'm, I'm, bro, I'm like proud of you for stepping in that as well. Like just showing her that. And it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit living inside of you, man. It's what God was doing inside of you at that time. But just, I mean, I'm just, I'm blown away. I love, this is an incredible, incredible picture of the gospel right here. Yes. And, and that is, I've never had anyone show me that. And I've never, and, and in marriage, you know, you have, days where you're frustrated with each other and you're just like, Oh my goodness, this person. But I always have that to remember back on. I'm like, you know what though? But this person who's irritating me right now is also the one person who like just had, has loved me at my darkest. Wow. You know, that's awesome. Okay. So you were going to talk about some significant dates or things there. And this, yeah. Tell me more about that. Um, Two significant things have happened since I've gotten saved that relate to this story. And I, you don't really realize that they're significant in the moment until 
you kind of look back on it. But it was in 2014 or 15. It was right when we had launched our our ministry and the Night Shepherd. And it was a Sunday afternoon and we had just gotten home from church. And we usually go out to eat after church. But for some reason, we came home that day and our phone had rang. We have an eight hundred number that people can call our phone rang, and will answered it. And it was a girl and will and I kind of decided for our ministry personally, if a girl calls, I will speak to her. If a guy calls, he'll speak Mm -hmm. to him that we're not counseling the opposite sex. So he's trying to, you know, kind of get her to speak to me, but she just dumps everything on him. She's Mm -hmm. like, look, I'm dealing with this, 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 and this. And so he finally gets off the phone and he looks at me and he says, a woman called, this is her name. I need you to call her back. And so, I mean, I'm just trying to get lunch ready. We have to go back for evening service. I'm kind of in a hurry. And he's like, I really think you should call her back now. Tell me what I need to do to make lunch. Like just, you need to call her back. And I said, okay, well give me a little background so that when I call her, I know like kind of what she needs. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. He's like, I think you just need to call her. She'll tell you. And this was the first person who ever called our 800 number. And I mean, what are the odds? I mean, there are no odds. God did it. But she calls me and she's like, you're not going to be able to relate to this. You're not going to be able to understand. Please don't judge me. But I made a sex tape with my coworker. And it has been, it, it has now is on all these DVDs and he's taking it around and giving it to coworkers and HR won't step in. And I don't know what to do. And and I, and I made it because I just wanted him to like me and accept me. And you're not going to be able to relate because who in the world makes sex tapes? And I'm just like, wow. And I'm just like, Jesus, are you serious? Like of all the things that people could call about and all the things that they can have issues, like not a lot of people, if they do, they don't talk about it, but not a lot of people make sex tapes. It's really like a thing. I mean, a lot of people have like issues that they're dealing with that are common, but I'm just like, I'm just like laughing. Jesus, what in the world? All the things this person could have called about. And right then I was like, why am I so ashamed of this? Mm. Shameful. But how many people can I help if I don't try to hide from it? And how, and I knew exactly what she was, I knew exactly how she felt. She did not sound crazy to me to be like, in my logic, a sex tape sounded like the solution. Like Mm. in my head, I was like, oh, I I understand (laughs) my logic completely. Like you're not crazy. Like that makes perfect sense. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you can, you you can empathize. Right. Exactly. And And God's uniquely um, allowed your, he's used your story, allowed the hurt and brokenness of your story to uniquely position you to minister to people that, let's be honest, most people in the evangelical church today in America would not know how to minister to that person. Right. You are uniquely positioned that way. And I know you would never have like, looking back and you're like, man, I would never have thought this to be my story. I would never have wished this. I wish I could do it over again. And yet, redemption, God's allowing you to be positioned to minister to this person. Wow. Right. So she's the first person that calls me. And then fast forward to about 2016 with Will's permission and through a lot of um, 
prayer and, and hearing our pastor preach on forgiveness. I mean, our pastor has preached on forgiveness so many different ways, so many different times. And you always think to yourself, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, pastor, yeah, I need to, I need to forgive that person. I'll forgive everyone except that one person. Mm. So I'm good. God, I've, I've forgiven a lot of hurts, but I don't need to forgive this one yet. I'm not ready yet. And it was the guy that I dated, the actor that I dated. And I, I started to genuinely pray for him. And when I say genuinely pray, genuinely pray that he would get saved, genuinely pray that God would show up in his life, genuinely pray that he would be happy, that he would overcome his addictions, genuinely, genuinely want him to go and be in heaven and come to know Christ. Wow. This is somebody that like, I would do just fine if they were not in eternity with me. Mm. That would be wonderful. Mm. But God spoke to me in a sermon and I, I truly wanted to forgive him. So with Will's permission, I wrote him a letter and I wrote him a letter of forgiveness. And I just, I kind of told him, I genuinely forgive you. I'm sorry on my end for how things ended. This may not make sense to you, but I was lost at the time. I've since gotten saved and, and Jesus has shown me so many things and I mailed him a Bible and I had highlighted and I had little tabs on it. And I said, if you can just go to these verses and I, I had the Romans road highlighted and I had tabs that he could turn to those. Obviously I do not know what he did with it. He still lived in the house that we had gotten together. So I knew where he lived. Um, and it was, um, March, of last year that um it was march of last year that i felt called to do it again like there was just something on me and i was like will i'm like i have to send him another letter i just need him to know that christ died for him and i just need him to know that i forgive him jesus forgives him and there's love there i need to show him kind of what you showed me Mm. and i mean as a husband it's kind of like okay (laughs) why you need to do that. But like it's still an ex-boyfriend that you had a tape with that you're forever attached to. Like mm. I get it. I mean, Will had a lot of grace in that moment too. Um, and I sent it in March of last year. And unfortunately in April of last year, he um, passed away from an overdose. Mm. Soon. Um, but Davey, I'll tell you this. I presented the gospel to him twice. I gave him the Bible. I've prayed for his soul. And we don't know where he is today, but the fact that God gave me that time while he was still alive, would be able to genuinely forgive him and care for his soul and really want to see him get saved. I have a piece of, I did all that I could. And my prayer is that in his final days, he did come to know the Lord. Wow. Wow. Man, I'm, um, I don't really have words. I'm very touched um, and moved um, by both of your stories and how they've converged together um, and very inspired. <laughs> I think these are, and, and this is what I want to say to you, Renee, I felt like just um, maybe a Holy Spirit thing or maybe it's not at all, but take it for what it is, for what it's worth. Um I know that you get a lot of, um, and, and probably you get a lot of comments and I mean, for lack of a better term, you know, 
hate quote unquote mail. Now it's not mail anymore, right? It's all, it's social media. And I know you receive those. Um, and I, I want you to know, don't let that hinder the ministry and the confidence that you have in who you are in Christ now. Don't let that hinder it. Um, those are little ancillary like flies just to swat away. Um, there, there, there's, the, it is arrows that the enemy is trying to use to remind you of your past. And the enemy is the author of shame, right? He's the one that's going to continually poke at and remind you of your past. That doesn't come from the Lord, you know? And I, I know you know this, but I want you to be reassured of this. And maybe this is for the benefit of somebody who's listening as well. But the, the Lord is the author of, of, uh, of your future, he says, hey, listen, I have wiped clean with the cross what you've done in your past, and now I want to move forward with you into the future, into doing something in you that is redemptive and doing something through you that is redemptive. And so I just want to encourage you guys both, like, don't let any of those haters um, even get into your psyche and into your, into your confidence, because I know there are days where it can, it can cripple you and you can, it can cause a lot of doubt and a lot of confusion and a lot of, am I doing the right thing? And I need you to know that um, God is doing something powerful. I, I can just hear it and sense it. What, what are we, like a thousand miles away from each other? I don't even know how far away LA is, but I can sense it through this Skype call right now. I can just sense the power of the Holy Spirit, what he's doing inside of your ministry and inside of your lives. And he's going to continue writing a beautiful redemption story that's going to be helping so many people in the midst of their, their pain and brokenness and showing them a picture of grace that the world needs to see. A picture of forgiveness that the world needs to see. And so don't get distracted don't get, um, don't feel at all dismayed by any of these comments. Just keep moving forward. Keep doing what you're doing. And I felt like I just needed to say that because, and it might just be preaching to myself. No, not, not at all. Because to be honest, when he died, it, it all came back up again. Mm-hmm. It all, it was as if it was, as if it, 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 it was, I was 21 years old. Right. And that sucked about it is my name has changed. And now my husband is now attached to the scandal that, but you know, I just have to, and I, and I, I posted something on Facebook that got totally twisted. I just, I posted about how I gave him a a Bible and I just prayed that he came to know the Lord. And then page six and daily mail did an article saying that I said that he ended up in hell. And I'm just like, no, that's not what I said. But I have to remember, like, they're they're lost. They're yeah. going to twist every word about it. Yeah. And anytime I try to use it for good, it's going to be turned bad. And I've I've wanted to run away from it. I mean, obviously, get married, change my name, everything. But I can't run away. So it's almost as if I should just embrace it to show what Jesus did. Yeah. Wow. Show how Jesus turn my life around. And Mm. if you see a difference, there's some of my lost friends who are like, you're different because you just have a good husband. And I'm like, well, you see it as that, but Mm. it's not that eventually it'll, it'll be shown to you. And to be honest, when I found out I was having a daughter, I was like, no, Mm. like, Oh my goodness. Like I'm going to, it's going to be so much harder because I have to teach her about identity and, all these things in the Lord, but 
God gave us a daughter for a reason and he gave, he gave her to us to, um, so that I can teach her these things and teach her these things from a young age and teach her the right way. And she is going to have a good father and a good example of Christ. And I told you that the last thing I'll say is I told you that the tape came out on June 20th. Well, I met Will on June 20th, 2011. Um, he proposed to me on June 21st mm-hmm. and then we got married on June 21st uh-huh. and, um, a year, apart. A, a year, yeah. a year, a year apart. And, um, it's just really interesting that every single time God has done something, it's just interesting to me that that weekend that yeah. was so awful, the weekend that my kids came out years later is the weekend that, I met my husband. I got engaged. Yeah. I got, and not to like be graphic, but I think we got pregnant around June twenty first. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Totally, like he loves that weekend. <laughs> yes, it's redemption. That's what it's what it is. Like, you know, who who other than God can take a horrific, despicable image like the cross? Mm-hmm and turn it into something beautiful. Right. I mean, that's, that's the epitome of redemption. And he does that for your story. He does that for my story. He does that for the stories of everybody who's listening right now. And um, the things that you guys are carrying with you and the negativity and the hate from other people, it's going to act as a thorn in your side that's going to cause you to continue to lean into the Lord and be dependent on the Lord. That's Okay. That's okay, because it is out of your weaknesses that he his strength is made perfect, and it's yeah. it's going to be his story that really he's going to use to impact other people. It's the it's these like the carnal desires that you guys had of like the fame and fortune. Really, that's at the root of that. That's a life of significance, right? You want a life of significance. We all want we all want a life of significance that that like has an impact on other people. And it gets twisted carnally by the enemy. It gets perverted with this like fame and fortune and, you know, that kind of thing. And God goes, okay, I'm going to take all of this and I'm going to drive you back into how I, I created you to have a life of significance. And through the process, there's going to be some really, really tough stuff that you're going to go through. And through the process, you're going to make some really dumb decisions and it's going to be really hard to watch you children do that. But out of that, I'm going to bring you into a life of significance. And man, you guys are living out that story right now. The ministry that you're doing with people right now, incredible. I'm proud of you guys. Like super proud of you guys. Thank you. It's just, I mean, it's just the Lord, you know, it's just, it's just hundred percent God, you know? Um, yeah. And I mean, I agree with everything you said, man. It's like God uses our, our weaknesses and God takes what we have that yeah. we see as insignificant and he just uses it. And there's, and I look back in our life and over the last, you know, um, seven years, um, we have just the situations and unique, the unique situations and circumstances and, uh, individuals that we've met and built relationships with over the last seven years, we would not have been able to impact those those unique situations of yeah. people and we had not have gone through the things that we had gone through. Yeah. Like we, I mean, I know that we, I mean, God would have worked it out somehow, but like 
we have just drawn so much from how how God has transformed us and how God has made us and what he, where He's brought us from to give something to people that no one else around us has been able to give. And I'm not saying this because we're anything special. I'm just bragging God like what God is, how yeah. we're, we've been used in that in that area. That's so, so. cool. Golly, that's so awesome. Guys, thank you so much for sharing your story. This has been really, really profound. And I know it's going to impact a lot of people as, as they're listening to this and give them hope. They might be in a situation, Will, like you, and they're you know, right, right at the bottom, rock bottom, and they're looking for that hand up right from the Lord. Or they might be in a situation like you, Renee, where they're like, I can't believe I made that decision, you know, feeling like your reputation and your life is just smeared. Um, and you guys are providing a lot of hope. This is like the definition of nothing is wasted. It's so cool. I'm, I'm just like, I'm geeked out over it. I just appreciate you guys sharing the story with us. Um, where can, if folks want to um, follow your ministry and support and pray for you guys, where can they follow that? Um, so you can go to uh, her website, uh, reneeshepherd.com. Is it that com? Yeah, yeah, or nightshepherd. And then or nightshepherd.org. Um, okay. You're one of those. Um, so Renee cool. has all, all of our ministry links on her website, um, and everything's kind of channeled through that um, for our ministry, but it, the actual ministry would be the nightshepherd.org. Website. Okay, that's awesome. Well, we'll make sure we put that up on the um, podcast page as well. So listeners, you can go, you guys can go straight to that, access it pretty easily. But man, thanks so much, guys, for joining us on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast today. It's so great to, to hear from you. Thank you so much. Wow, that was, that was a, <laughs> an what unbelievable a story. story. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. As she was telling her part of the story, like I didn't know, I just knew bits and pieces of it. And Christy was the mm -hmm. one that really recommended like, hey, we need to have them on the podcast. And she had kind of told me some of it, but I didn't know the depth of it. And I'm like sitting there going, oh my gosh, this is profound. This is amazing. What yeah. a beautiful story of grace and redemption. And, um, and honestly, um, the, the church needs to carry more stories like this. I think sometimes we shy away from this because it's like, oh no, it's scandalous. It's, and I'm like, well, yeah, there's like scandalous grace in this. Mm -hmm. Every Bible Absolutely. hero that we have has some, I mean, think about the scandal of David and Bathsheba. Think about, I mean, you know, Noah essentially running around naked with lampshade on the head. Like, you know, talking about these, these stories, these Bible heroes that we, that we like ha venerate as saints. And it's like, no, they have some pretty busted up, messed up stories, but God redeems and he restores. That's Absolutely. what nothing is wasted is all about. And I was reading this morning in Isaiah, the verse that the ear of the Lord is not too dull to sit here. The arm of the Lord is not too short to save. That yeah. The Lord is powerful and he, he can change anybody's hearts. That's so good. That is so good. So I'm super excited about the work that Will and Renee are doing. Uh, their nonprofit called Night Shepherd. Um, we will put on the podcast page where you can just check out more information about that in case you want to join in and get involved somehow and pray for them, maybe support them through giving. Um, but all, it, all what they do is they, um, 
they help those and support those who are struggling in the entertainment business coming out from the a gospel perspective. So um, love the work that you guys are doing, Will and Renee. Yes. Yeah. And we want to thank Ryan O'Neill for um, just providing music for Nothing is Wasted Ministries. You can find him over at Sleeping at Last. Yep. And so before we sign off, why don't you listen to this little teaser from the next episode of the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I just wanted to disappear. I, I couldn't couldn't imagine what it would be like to. I couldn't imagine living with hands that don't work and feet that don't walk and somebody wiping my nose and my backside and doing my bowel routines and bathing me and getting me dressed and sitting me up in a wheelchair. It's like oh, it's like oh God, I can't do this. I I can't do this. But somewhere, I just became so overwhelmed by the despair and the depression. I became so claustrophobic with the hopelessness. Somehow in the middle of the night, in a panic, I breathed, oh God, I can't live like this, but please, if I'm not going to die, show me how to live. I don't know how to live. Show me how to do it. Mm. And Davey, uh, I don't know if it was the next morning or maybe a couple of mornings afterward, I woke up saying... I can't do quadriplegia, but I can do all things through you, Christ, mm. if you would but strengthen me. And he did, David, he did. And and I think that speaks to maybe some people who are listening. You just don't know how in God's name you're going to breathe the next breath. You don't know how you're going to take the next step. Yeah. But And you can't. It's, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Mm. And I think my my quadriplegia, my chronic pain, my, my cancer is a daily, 24-hour, moment-by-moment reminder of how needy, how desperately needy I am of the Lord Jesus. And that's a good thing. 